Do it a little faster. You still got it. <laughs> it's your girl Shanti. And it's Antoinette. And we are Around, Around the, the Way Curls. Join us as we share our unique life experiences. AKA tell all our business. And explore both the profound and the profane. Because duality, duality is, is a thing. thing. Yes. <laughs> Y'all, this is an Around the Way Curls first. Hello. I am by myself for this first like 15 minutes of the episode, but rest assured, um, I will be joined by an amazing, amazing guest at, after the break. But I wanted to start off because one, I read some shit that was fire. And two, we have some voicemails that um, they're piling up and I didn't want to go a week without doing them. And so if I start the podcast off by myself, that gives me the opportunity to do them. And I can't say that I'm very comfortable with this. I have no idea how people do full ass episodes, just speaking into a mic and speaking to themselves. Um, I'm missing my security blanket very much in this moment. That is Shanti. But here we are. Um, First up, uh, today is Wednesday, the 31st that I am recording this. And yesterday, Tuesday, May 30th, I had the pleasure of hosting, well, co-hosting a Rock Nation Night of R&B with Mandy B. It was absolutely spectacular. There were amazing artists. Shout out to um, Matea, Dixon, and Ombre. And it was like a really great time. It wasn't my first time hosting anything, but it was my first time hosting an event of that scale. And obviously they didn't, not obviously, I shouldn't say that, but they did not call me. They called Mandy and Mandy hit me up and was like, hey, they, they're saying I can do this by myself, but you know, why not? And basically put me onto game as she has done (laughs) time and time again, nothing new there. Um, and we had a great, great time and, um, It was interesting. It was like, you know, you go out, you do your thing and you're kind of looking around and I'm looking around the venue and there's all these photographers there. So what I really enjoyed about it was, you know, how everything has to be content. Everything has to be like, of course, like as a host, you need to post it later and make sure, um, you know, you show your gratitude, tag the, the sponsors and all that jazz. But because you weren't we weren't solely responsible for that. Um, It allowed us a moment or some moments to just be present, you know, to just stand there and listen to the artist sing. And I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm watching man. when, When Mandy is enjoying herself, it's the funniest thing. She's like swaying back and forth and, and, singing out loud and she just looks like this little bitty woman this little bitty white woman I just say (laughs) and she's got a smile from ear to ear and it's so sweet and I was just watching her do that like oh my god look at her these are these are the moments that people probably don't get to see when you know she's on her podcast talking her shit and doing her thing 
And I then I looked around the room and I was like, damn, everybody else, though, everybody else, I felt like, well, there were some people who were present, but mostly everybody's on their phones. Everyone's networking. They're either trying to capture the moment, capture the singers. And I was realizing just how much everybody wanted to make sure that other folks either saw them there, right? That they took up space that they established, that they were there, they're somebody important. And then had the evidence to then post it later to make sure the masses knew that they were there. And I was like, damn, what a prison. <laughs> what This is what I'm thinking as I'm fucking hosting. Like, what a prison that must be. And I wonder how I do that in my life. Um, you know, how often I'm, I'm missing out on moments and not fully present because I'm either thinking that I need to create content or I'm, I, I actually need, I, I'm obligated to fulfill, um, like some sort of social media, I don't know, contract with the world of like, it doesn't, it didn't count if I didn't post it. And so it made me think about my handy dandy, this here flesh book that I just, I won't leave. I'm not, this book, listen, if y'all sick of hearing me talk about this book, you gonna have to be sick of hearing me talk about this book. I don't think you are because everybody's DMing me about it. But it made me think about a part of the chapter Wonder. And I wanna read some of it because I actually did the interview with our guests before I'm doing this. And this this part came up in our conversation. And so in order to give it some, some context, I wanted to give this to you all as an offering very quickly. All right? All right. And this is, um, these are excerpts. So this isn't necessarily completely in the order that um, the text reads, but I've underlined stuff so that you get the gist, okay? All right. And again, this is by Cole Arthur Riley. All right. I think awe is an exercise, both a doing and a being. It is a spiritual muscle of our humanity that we can only keep from atrophying if we exercise it habitually. Awe is not a lens through which we see the world, but our soul path to seeing. Any other lens is not a lens, but a veil. And I've come to believe that our beholding, seeing the veils of this world peeled back again and again, if only for a moment, is no small form of salvation. When I speak of wonder, I mean the practice of beholding the beautiful, beholding the majestic, the snow-capped Himalayas, the sun setting on the sea, but also the perfectly mundane, the soap bubble reflecting on your kitchen, the oxidized underbelly of the stainless steel pan. More than the grand beauties of our lives, wonder is about having the presence to pay attention to the commonplace. It could be said that to find beauty in the ordinary is a deeper exercise than climbing to the mountaintop. When people or groups become too enamored with mountaintops, we should ask ourselves whether their euphoria comes from love or from an experience of supremacy. For example, whiteness, 
As a sociological force and practice, loves mountaintops. Being born of an appetite not for flourishing, but for domination. It loves the ascent, the conquering. It is about bravado and triumph. There is nothing wrong with climbing the mountain, for bravado tends to drown out the sound of wonder. Perhaps you've known that person who devours beauty as if it belongs to them. It is a possessive wonder. It eats not to delight, but to collect, to trade, and to boast. It consumes beauty to grow in ego, not love. It climbs the mountains to gain ownership, not to gain freedom. If you want to know if you've forgotten how to marvel, try staring at something for five minutes and see where your mind goes. So I say all that because I had to check myself yesterday. I have to check myself often, honestly. (laughs) But I had to check myself yesterday and not be dismissive of the space or the people in the space at all. You know, I can understand being excited, um, being at like, you know, some sort of social event where honestly there's currency involved in that. But I guess I'm trying to be less attached to the currency of it, be less attached to the bravado and still be able to be present and still be able to acknowledge the things in the room that are small, but are still very beautiful and very meaningful. And so, you know, yesterday there was a lot of glitz of glam, you know, a lot of diamonds, a lot of stars, a lot of lights and cameras and all this shit. But there was also Mandy smiling and like completely in her purpose. And that is, is, was so beautiful to me. And there was this man on the stairs and his only job was to stand on the stairs and make sure that people didn't crowd the stairs. He worked at the venue and he had the most beautiful skin and smile And I remember I was standing by the stairs because the plan was that I was going to announce some of the artists from over there, but it was too crowded, so I gave up. But he was really protective over me, and he was really kind. And he was a really, he was a young man. But shout shout out to him if he ever hears this, because I noticed him in that whole room, and I, I wanted to actively notice him. I, I I was really intentional to do that in the room full of folks with sunglasses on and, you know, inside. I don't know why the fuck people do that. It's the corniest shit to me, but okay. You know, in a room full of folks who are all trying to be seen, I think the effort was like off-putting to me. Like everybody was trying instead of being. Not everybody, that's dismissive. See, here I go. But many people were trying instead of being. And so the glimpses of folks being was really beautiful to me. And so I think as I start to enter these spaces more and more, that's what I'm going to actively hold on to. Um, And I think that's what's going to center me 
And I think a big fear of mine is that as I enter those spaces more and more that I'm going to be wrapped up in the label of, um, you know, this kind of mixy social kind of sellout, which is my shit that ain't nobody else's stuff. And that's corny to me because what is that? It's really me projecting onto that because that's what I, that's how I dismiss other people who have things that, or have experiences that I actually might think are cool, but I'm not able to get into those rooms just yet. (laughs) And so I was just sitting there and I was doing my thing. I was, I was hosting, but I was, I was grappling with all of that at the same time of like, Hmm, now that you're, you, you have like this, seat at the table a little bit, you know, things are being revealed to me about myself and about my own judgment of folks. But I'm also needing to like hold on to these lessons that I've learned along the way in order to make sure that I'm connected to my own humanity and to um, what makes me authentically me and like alive in a way. So anyway, that's that. We'll reference that later as we talk. And the we is, um, I have brilliant writer, author, mother, dope human lover, Ashley Simpo on who I've been, I've been wanting to talk to for quite a long time. Who's like hella dope. Um, so that's going to be after the break. But before we do that, we obviously, I obviously want to get into some voicemails. And I'm going to do that. Just turned on the speaker. Give me one second. All right. First one up. Here we go. Hey, this is Renee. I love y'all's show. I was then supposed to call something to get straight into it. The Wizard of Oz is way better than The Wiz. The Wiz is trash with MJ and M. White people only did a few things right, and The Wizard of Oz is one of them. Internet, <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait till you quit your job. You have so much potential. Uh, I think you will surprise yourself. Shanti, you is extremely witty. Um, and I'm also looking for that Goldman Sachs course that you took at as well. Um, y'all conversations on, uh, capitalism, I find it really interesting. Um, I think you, and I feel like capitalism has this bad, um, notation on it, but, uh, I don't think if you a capitalist that you, um, have to do bad business. For example, Tyler Perry, when he built the studios, he's paying for, those residents of taxes for the residents of their home for, I think, over the next five to seven years. So you can't rectify because everything has a cause and effect, and it's impossible to get away from it all the way to as simple as possible. If you're driving and if you put your signal over to the left lane, the other car behind you might have to slow down. So everything has a cause and effect, and I believe you can do good business and make money. It's just most people might not do that. But if you're a good person, I believe that you can um, find a way and uh, rectify the situation as much as possible, knowing but a being a good person, you have to know the effect of what you're doing to people when it comes to um, business, uh, of course, when we're talking about uh, capitalism. So that is it. I know y'all not um, doing extensions on the voicemail, but I love y'all show. Have a good one. Be blessed. Mm. Thank you for calling, Renee. Um, you know what? That Tyler, the more and more I learned about him, child, I ain't mad. I think, um, yeah, 
I don't know what Shanti would say if she was on. She'd probably be like, I don't know if that's, I don't know if, you know, paying the taxes is really what the solution is. We need to imagine something else. <laughs> but um, I don't necessarily disagree with that either. I don't, I, I am always in a weird place when it comes to capitalism. I think the more and more I realize how much it impacts our daily lives and the way in which we operate within our households, the ways in which the, the more I rectify how it's had its effects on my inability to rest, how profoundly it impacts my fear. Um, I just am like against it. But that's also like a personal thing. I, I mean, and then you also have Shanti to mention, who is a business owner, you know, who at the end of the day, you know, she has goods and she sells them at a higher price point to make a profit, which is kind of a bit of what that's what capitalism <laughs> is. And she touched on that. She touched on how well when she's doing that, you know, it's not to exploit anyone else. It's not to harm anyone else. And she's comfortable with her margins. She's comfortable with um, how she's running her business, how she's paying her employees, um, and how she's, you know, paying her artists and her artisans who are in her shop. So I do think that there are definitely ethical practices that we can bring to capitalism. I think when we're speaking about capitalism, it's on a much more macro level. And the, most of the corporations um, don't operate that way, that way. And I don't know, you know, yeah, you can definitely be a good person and slow down when somebody's turning left. But, you know, the Amazons, the Apples, the, I don't fucking know, child. You shit the Whole Foods. Like, it's all, it's all very interesting how they operate. And their operations feel very exploitive. And I believe, I, I, I don't want to say it wrong, but that statistic that, like, the, the top 10% make how many times more than the middle class. It's just wild. Um, and it's disproportionate and it's by design and it's by capitalist design. So when we talk about it, I think, I think that's a fair comment, but I also think that it's something to keep in mind for the listeners is that we're, we're looking at it on that scale. Um, not the poppy store down the street. Um, but fair point, fair point, more, more, um, more research and and um, digging for us to do, and I and maybe we need to be more specific when we talk about it. But thank you for calling, Renee. All right, next up. Hey, Antoinette. Hey, Shanti. It's Leo again. Um, I called in before, but um, this is just me again. I wanted to. I just listened to the episode about uh, when you guys were talking about Derek Jackson and everyone else and especially about Jim Brown. And I like at the end of the episode where you guys spoke about uh, digging into the humanity of them as as to why they are the way they are and what were the factors that 
had made them behave this way because I think something that wasn't said was that people, for the most part, people aren't inherently just bad human beings. They There's factors and reasons and traumas and, and everything else that that add up to us behaving and thinking the ways that we do, the why behind who we are. And just for anybody else that's listening, and to y'all too, if y'all haven't read um, the book, either We Real Cool or The Will to Change, which are specifically about black men, love, and masculinity, please read those books because it gives – because y'all mentioned books a lot, which I love, and also she she just talks so much about how – we, in order for our society to be better and for men to be better, more specifically, we have to we have to dive into these subjects and dive into the why behind these things. And just as a as a avid listener to y'all's podcast, I just really appreciate the dissection y'all do within yourselves and also within these topics that we see because all these topics are reoccurring and they just happen over and over again. But things don't really change, right? And like Bill Hooks, the name of one of her books, we have to have the will to change, the will to see these things and dissect them and have social commentary like they used to way, way, way back in the day and collectively come together and make change. Because if not, then these news cycles would just continue to be like, just continue to repeat. But I think I'm, <laughs> they go too much on my time right now. But again, appreciate the work y'all do within yourselves and on your podcast and you'll have these real honest and open conversations. Keep the, keep up the good work, ladies. Leo. Y'all, I bang with Leo, yo. Leo, I don't know Leo for real, for real. But Leo and I have had enough conversation via DM that I followed him. Upstanding guy. Um, thank you for that. I, I think it's very interesting that that voicemail played because there was someone else who hit us up on Twitter and and they said, you know, I'm a new listener to Around the Way Curls and basically said, I'm about to turn it off because the way that they are kind of humanizing, they didn't use humanizing, but um, coddling, I think was the word, coddling Derek Jackson and his behavior is is basically like triggering them. And I can understand both sides of it. I mean, I was the person surprisingly that said, you know, I don't have it for Derek Jackson. I ain't got it. I don't have the compassion and the empathy so much. I think it's, and it's not that I don't think that I should, or I just don't think that that's the role that I can, that's, that's not the role I could play for him. That's not what I can offer him, what I have capacity for. Um, I have a lot of capacity for empathy, especially when it comes to men. Cause I, I understand that um, a lot of the unlearning that men are doing that they need to do, that is absolutely their responsibility to do, um, the tools required for that, I think, are just becoming more readily available. Um, And the space to do that is just being offered more readily. So, you know, you got my compassion a little bit there, but for for folks and not even just men, but for folks who are repeat offenders or who don't show any, um, they don't show any signs of being sorry or having the will to change. I can't force you to do the work, you know, especially if you're someone out here toting 
that you've done the work and preaching to the masses and, and you're someone that has this huge following. Um, it's one thing to make a mistake, to apologize, to take accountability, and then to do the work to then have changed behavior. It's another thing to, you know, just kind of save face and keep on keeping on with your platform. And that takes a different kind of sociopath in my mind. And once you reach that level, not much I could do for you. I'm not the right person for you. You need help that I can't provide. But I was very impressed with Shanti um, for for asking those questions around, you know, even if he is a sociopath, that's even more, you know, challenging us and saying that's even more of a reason for us to look into the why. Um, and for whatever reason, I still have resistance. I think I, the person that I'm really concerned about is that woman. Um, and that's just the way it shook out. It's a it's an interesting turn of events here at Around the Way Curls because that's not usually how it goes. It's usually me on the other end of that nonsense. So um, I hear both both of y'all, and um, I think it's a fruitful conversation to have, um, and 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 bear and something to be aware of for yourself. All right, last voicemail. Good morning, ladies. This is Ashley from Phoenix. I was listening to episode two sixty five. And it struck a little bit of a chord with me in a good way um, about talking about the unhoused people who never hear their name or communicate with anyone for long periods of time. And I also relate that to um, either single people or elderly people that are also in the same predicament on a different end of the spectrum, even though they may be housed. Um, Also just remembering what separates them it's just this little thin line of being housed. Um, I do a lot of volunteer work and with the elderly, and I also work with the unhoused during the daytime, and I see the correlations that happen, and I often stop and think, 20 years down the line when I'm single and a spinster, I won't have anyone to talk to. And that kind of struck a chord with me on my way from the gym. Do you ever think about how if you no longer have a partner or close friends that as they pass on or move uh, or just change in their daily life as we all do, that we may all end up alone at some period of time? That may be grim, but um, please share your take. Thank you. Oh, ciao. Um, Ashley. Oh, look at that. Ashley from Phoenix. Ashley, I actually think this is the perfect episode um, for you to listen to because I think our guest, Ashley Simpo, she touches on on a couple of things here. She touches on, um, I don't want to spill it. You'll hear it when she talks about it. All I can say is I think about it. I've thought about it. I don't necessarily think about winding up alone a lot with no one to talk to. I do think about um, ending up unpartnered. Um, I think about, um, I spend a lot of time alone now. You know, I, I work from home. I live alone. I'm I'm not partnered. I'm not dating anyone. So there's a lot of alone time that I have that, you know, at times is really welcome. 
And then at other times it's really difficult. Um, but I think when it starts, when we start to come to the end, especially I've been thinking about my mortality, my parents' mortality a lot as they get older and just with the recent events in my life. And I see how lucky people are to have folks around them who love them, to care for them, to support them, to just be um, a presence with them um, in the end. Made me think about my grandmother and how my grandmother is in this, um, you know, she's in a nursing home right now. She's in her, in her mid nineties and um, she's not the easiest person to talk to at all. Um, but I haven't called her because it was, it was difficult to talk to her. It was like taking a toll on me, but this message is making me, I need to call her. You're right. How, how often does she have interaction? How often does she hear a voice that she recognizes? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's in store. All I know is what I have done is create a community around me of people that I love. And, you know, when it comes to my, my girlfriends in Philly, Shanti, Jasmine, Amanda, Kayla, like we have talked about it. And in the end, if we're not partnered or even if we are, we all might have to move in together. <laughs> we got to take care of each other. We got to look out for one another. And I, I believe we mean it. So I think that it's really important. And Ashley talks about this, um, about creating a community around you. But yeah, that's a, it's a scary thought. Um, I don't know if it's one that we should think about a whole lot now, but I'd be curious to know how you feel after, after this episode, um, after you hear from Ashley on, um, on aloneness and, and love and partnership. Okay. All right. Let's take a break. I just spoke a whole 30 minutes by myself. I'm very proud of myself for that. That was a feat. (laughs) I miss Shanti dearly. See aloneness. See, and, um, I'll do my best her now after these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued 
at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. All right, everyone. Hello. We are back. Well, I am back. And you can hear the soundscapes of Brooklyn. Um, I said we had a special guest here on Around the Way Curls, and I meant it. So, y'all, I am a big fan of this lady. I don't think that she knows how much of a fan of hers I am. That I used to screenshot her work on the Instagrams. And I, I, I'm pretty sure I saw, I read an article of yours as well. And I was like, who's this girl? Um, and send it around in our group chat. And, be, and so there was a point where I had a group chat and I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to implement this like, okay, these are the things that we're grateful for today. And like be intentional or either end the day intentionally or start the day intentionally. And so I would, of course, Instagram is life. Go to Instagram and look for inspiration. And I will always wind up with you. And so you have been circulating with my little group for quite some time. But ladies and gentlemen, non-binary folks, royalty, kings and queens, I would like to introduce Miss Ashley Simpo. Hello. <laughs> hey. Ashley. Ashley. Hello. Thank you for being here, first and foremost. I'm so excited to be here. And just so so everyone knows, we've only met in person by happenstance once, right? One time. One time. Yes. And of course- That was the best. That was the best. Was I was cool. like, wait a minute. I know you. Wait. I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, actually, rang in the new year together. Rang in yep. the new year together. What a what a, yep. what a a way to do that. And shout out to Joel for making that happen. But He's the connector. He really is. He really is. Um <laughs> But I like to let people introduce themselves because I don't I don't want to ever define anyone. So how would you introduce yourself? Girl, real simple. Uh, Ashley Simpo, writer, author, editor, um, tweeter occasionally, <laughs> mama, mama, uh, Brooklynite by way of Oakland, California. Oakland. OK, you don't give me. Well, no, Oakland's um, different. California. Oakland. I mean, I'm Northern California, Oakland. We I lived in Sacramento for a little bit, okay. a little sprinkling of that in there, but yeah, I don't claim them. <laughs> Wait, so how long them. have you been over here? I've been in New York so long that people tell me I have to claim New York. I've been here. I moved here in two thousand eight. Oh, two thousand eight. Okay. Yeah, you've been here for a yeah. little while. I think I. Yeah, a little bit. I think I. I still think I'm. When did? How old am I? When did I graduate from? I came here for college, so I've been here longer okay. than you, but I still will I not I thought you were it. from here. No, I'm from Philly. I read Philly. T- I got a okay. My bad. Sixers jersey right now, child. <laughs> <Duh>, Ashley. <laughs> um, but anyway, yes, Ashley is is all those things. But also, you, uh, you're writing that, well, first and foremost, Shanti is not here, so you have to come back because a, a big this part- is a child in the background. I'm so sorry. What? Look at him. There's nothing, nothing is wrong. Yes, maybe. Okay. Oh my God. This is for Roblox. Oh, for Roblox? Yes. Pause and get him his Roblox now. He was like, can I get screen time? And the fact that you have no pants on. (laughs) 
All right. I'm so the, sorry. No, you're it's the no pants for it me. Is, there's literally, I was just about to say, Ashley is a mama. And okay. so you have to come back to discuss black motherhood with Absolutely. us because Shanti has requested it. She wants it. And I really, um, I, something that I did not know that I was looking up, I said, wait a minute, you wrote a book on how to discuss divorce with your divorce. children. One, I did yes, not know you were divorced. Yes, ma'am. I said, what? For real? First yep. of all, I thought you were like, <laughs> thought you were like 30. <laughs> I said, damn, she divorced already? That girl right. didn't lived. Then I looked and was like, is she older than me? I couldn't believe it. I'm older than most people. Girl, you look amazing. I I feel. Oh, thank you. Can we just start off with that? Can we start off? Because when I talked, when I reached out to you and I was like, what do you, you like, what are you thinking about? What do you want to discuss? And of course, my Libra asks, when you talked about love, I said, boom, there it is. Yes. Um, but I do, I, I was really interested in this book because it was something, I'm a product of divorce as well. And I feel like it was something that would have been helpful for me. And it, it's, Same. I'm sure helpful for a lot of young people. So how did that yeah. come to be? Uh, so the company is a kid's co, they're now kid's co. And it was a, a company founded by a black father. Mm. Um, and named Jelani Memory. And he started with a book that he wrote for his children. He has like multiracial family. And he wrote a book called A Kid's Book About Racism. And so oh, then shit, it kind of took off. Too. Right. And it was very, the style is like, just keep it real mm-hmm. and break it down so that children can understand. And so then he started this company where he worked with authors to talk about lived experience topics they, they have experience with um, ranging uh, all the spectrum is very wide. They have books on sexual assault. They have books on you know bullying. They have books on kindness. Just all kinds of different things. And so, I actually was looking for some kind of resource for my son because um, I'm divorced. He was five at the time, mm. six, and he was starting to ask different questions about me and my ex husband's relationship. Why are you divorced? Like different questions. Um, and I actually went looking for a resource and came across a kids co and didn't see any topic on divorce. And I like send a message like y'all should talk about divorce. And, um, and Jelani reached back out to me. He was like, you want to talk about it? Cause if you're divorced. Maybe you can speak to this. Uh, and so that's just, that was kind of how that happened. And so I ended up writing this book, um, that just kind of is a reflection of the conversation I've had to have with Orion about our family. And it's really just about, you know, the fact that families look differently. And um, I I felt really, I felt, I really wanted to normalize divorce. Mm -hmm. I didn't want my son to grow up feeling like an anomaly. I felt like an anomaly. You know, I'm sure you can relate. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, so yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting, interesting journey because people approach that topic very carefully and with a lot of fear. So I, I just wanted to like, just kind of talk about the elephant in the room mm-hmm. and help kids and parents kick that off. It's a really tough conversation to have. Yeah. So. I feel like a lot yeah. of people um, approach it with a lot of shame too. Mm-hmm. I know that I, yeah. I had a lot of, my parents stayed together for, for uh, longer than most. And so when yeah. they finally did separate, um, I was still impressionable. I was still, I wasn't in high school yet, but I was like mm. on the older end of it. And then 
it was also tricky with who they got with after the divorce. It was like, wait a minute, Ouch. a little too close to home. Uh, but oh. um, I just, I remember feeling like, yo, we weren't this. And now we are like, now you're the mm -hmm. parents that you come to the school function. You're sitting on the other side of the room. You can't speak. Mm -hmm. Everybody sees it. Um, mm -hmm. And it was just, it was incredibly disappointing but my mm -hmm. my parents didn't really talk about it in the sense I could tell that they were ashamed a little bit by yeah. it. And so when I hear you say you wanted to normalize it, I'm sure there's going to be some people who hear that and they're like, no, that oh, we're breaking up that. the family, this nuclear people family. I've had so many conversations about the goddamn nuclear family <laughs> and, and the fact that like a lot of can't speak to everybody's situation, of course, but I mean a lot of that shame comes from how society like disowns you once you opt out of that for whatever reason. And, um, that is a big part. I mean, like there's really, isn't you're now you're in an odd space. Mm -hmm. You're the other family, you know, people have to make exceptions for you. They got to send two things home with the kid or something, you know, whatever the world just is not set up. The society does not really is not set up for that. And so you already feel like you're out of place. And so to me, I feel like it's society that's the problem and not relationships fluctuating and changing and growing. Mm. And I would love to live in a world where we could just accept that not every relationship is meant to last, you know, 85 notebook years. Right. And like sometimes people have to make changes that are best for them. Divorce should not be criticized so much when you're talking about situations that people might be leaving that are abusive or unhealthy or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. people should feel freedom to do that. So I just want people to stop tripping so hard. It's it's hard for the two people and the families involved. You know, they have that's something you have to work with and work work through and deal with, but some of the questions you get asked and the way that people embrace you and talk to you after you announce that you're divorced or you're getting divorced is just dumb. It's why did you try? You should go to therapy. Oh. You should do this. And it's like did nobody approaches that. What? Yeah, people I got that so that? much. So my, especially from family members, especially from long-term married family members or people who especially are very religious, um, mm. they are automatic, like, you know, you got to be long suffering and you have to, um, and, and I didn't have any answers that really suited anybody. Cause I was like, it didn't work. So I left and we're fine. You know, we just have to like find a way to, to, um, normalize our family without um, being in a relationship. We're, we're still a family. That's, you know? that's, that was my next question was that just because divorce occurs, does it mean that it's an end? Right. It's like the, I love the way that you put it, that basically a relationship is shifting into something mm -hmm. else, into something more healthy. But it sounds like, for you, which is really beautiful, that there's still very much a family dynamic. There's still very much a relationship. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you have your baby, Orion, that you two are going to be in each other. You're a family un until for life. for life, until the very We're going end. We're going to share grandkids. That's right. right. Like, that's it. And you're going to yeah. share space. You're going to celebrate Orion's wins. You're going to, you know, shepherd him through his his... I don't want to say losses. That's not the word, but maybe all of them. Sometimes, yeah. He came home with a busted finger from soccer the other day. Dad dropped him off. You know, we 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 talk about how to approach challenges together. 
Um, we show up for him as a united front. Mm -hmm. We talk about how we're going to discipline if there's a situation we need to deal with. And, and that is a product of work. So a lot of times when I talk to people who are maybe thinking about divorce, I always want to remind them, you are not going to end this relationship because you have a child together. You know, you still have to right, you thought. deal with each other and, and find love there. And find love there intentionally. Intentionally, yeah. Um, exactly. There was a post of yours that I'm going to start getting into your posts now because I want to ask you about how... Listen, you're going to come back when Shanti's back because Shanti talks about this concept a lot that when you did divorce, I believe that you found a, a roommate and a person to move My, in yes. with. Yes, but can't talk yeah. about it now because no, she'll one. be mad yeah. at me. But that is incredible <laughs> that you found like a, like a sisterhood where she she was also raising a child as well. And then, yeah. that's amazing. And then you have this this family that you've created mm-hmm. But we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get into that. For now, you posted this, and I said, "Shut up!" And then, <laughs> and you knew, you knew that you were being loud because your caption under the post was "Hey, big head," and I was like, "See, <laughs> wait, which one?" She knows she's being smart. All right, you said <laughs> you don't need closure with them. You need closure with the version of yourself that loved them. I said, yeah. "Ashley, shut the fuck up." <laughs> <laughs> Yo, people were so mad at me when I when I posted that. They were like, why I are you screaming it. so loud? You were so loud in my ear. And I was like, girl, please keep it down. Let's talk about that. How did we okay. arrive there? Because it's when you when I read it so simply, and that's the other beautiful thing about your writing. I I have to I would be remiss if I didn't say this. I have such a a respect for writers because you have this command of the English language that I, I don't have it. I have other things. I could try to connect with people. I can get into a room and be charming and all that nonsense. Mm. I could turn it on. But when it comes to the vocabulary, the words, they don't appear all the time. And it gets <laughs> tricky. It gets tricky for me. Tricky is my favorite word. And it I use tricky. it in, a, in every it way possible. But <laughs> I love, I absolutely love, like, um, one of my favorite writers, Nayira Wahid, mm-hmm. so simply put, but it, mm-hmm. what, what he's, what she's saying, what you say with your words and you're so intentional with the words that you use, how you say it. It's just like, you put it down. It's brief. It's still, it's not curt, but it's gentle and you just mm-hmm. land. It lands. And it, and it's also open to so much interpretation. I love that though. Oh, it's incredible. It's incredible because it takes you on a journey. Like you literally, I don't know how many words, it's one damn sentence. And I had to put my phone down and like walk around my apartment. Like (laughs) I had to walk it off really because I've, I've reconnected with my ex and we're only Mm. friends and not in any kind of like romantic way. And I don't Mm. even know if we're friends. Like we're literally sending each other recipes and not saying anything else. Just sending each other recipes like that we know we would okay. fuck with. As like a, you know, you're alive. We're not, we're over this. We've <laughs> you probably eaten. You might yeah, like this. We refollowed like each other. It's like, okay, we're all right. We don't have okay. to be awkward anymore. I think that's where we're at. Yeah. Like, if I see you, it's okay. Yeah. But I saw that. And in my head once, I remember, not once, but I remember for, and I, I hate to admit this, but. Over maybe a year and a half, two years, I could not shake him off my skin. 
And the mm. only way that I thought that I could was if we talked, if we reached hatch mm. things, if I just mm. needed this closure, I needed him to give me this thing that mm. was completely in my control. And, and honestly, some me grasping on to the hope yeah. or the something still needing him to validate something for me. Mm -hmm. And so I read this and I'm gonna read it the hell again. Cause I know that y'all need to hear it too. <laughs> you don't need closure with them. You need closure with the version of yourself that loved them. All right, Ashley, talk to me. I mean, it always starts within. That's my thing. Um, this really was derived from <sighs> my own relationship shit, past relationships, mm -hmm. thinking through them, working through them in therapy. Um, <clears throat> honestly, this was a res result of, I'm going to be real vulnerable right now. Um, I am completely disassociated from my father, but he will send mm -hmm. me emails every so often. I've blocked him. It ends up in my spam. So on the occasion that I might go through my spam, cause I'm looking for something, I might see an email from him and, um, it's really difficult for me because this is somebody that I no longer love. I had to let go mm. of. Um, and I think it applies to any relationship that you've had, that you held space for and that you have to let go of. And I think a lot of times we think that that person can give us some answer of like, why did you do this? Or why are you like this? Um, and they might be able to, they might not. I think a lot of times those kinds of, those kind of conversations are unsatisfying, at least in my experience, because you want someone to say something so that you can wrap it up with a little bow and then you can like put it away. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just find like, so often it is our own anger with the part of us that, that wanted that, or the part of us that was vulnerable with them or the part of us that, um, loved a version of them that maybe just wasn't true, was not a real, mm -hmm. you know, uh, representation of who they are. And it's kind of like, I, I feel like for me, I had to accept that you can love someone um, and it can, it can rest in the past. You can let it go, but you have to really just like sit with yourself and why you're holding on to it. That person does not have the key for you. Mm. Um, and so I think like for me, it was about changing the power of what closure really means. Um, I've never been able to get like closure with my father. I've never been able to have a conversation with him where I'm like, okay, I understand and da da da, ever, never, and I never will. And so for me, it was about just accepting that, um, it was okay to love that person and I was doing my best and I was showing up and I was giving the love that I thought I was supposed to give, whether that was me as a child or relationships, me as a partner in the past um, and not being ashamed of that and letting it go and being okay with letting it go. Um, I really do think that we can't necessarily seek our healing from other people. We can't seek the answers always from other people. It's always within us. So that was really just about flipping it around and asking yourself um, what you needed from that person and what you need from that person now and finding ways to give it to yourself instead yeah. of waiting for that person to like fill in these gaps yeah. that you feel like left. Because at the end of the day, you made a choice with that person and you made intentional choices. You, you know, if it's a relationship you're trying to get past, you showed up intentionally and loved that person and you made choices to show up for that person 
And if it didn't work out, um, I think a lot of times we feel like ashamed. We want someone to answer and tell us why it happened this way. Um, but it was you, like you made the choice to do that. So you have to kind of like be okay with that. I loved you. It's not healthy for me anymore. I have to let that go. Um, and there's nothing that anybody can give you to like help you seal that and let it go. You know, that has mm-hmm. to come from within, in my opinion. I don't disagree. I think, I think you made me think about, um, when, when I used to act, actively mm-hmm. and you get a script and it's like the first thing you try to figure out is what does this character want? Mm-hmm. What does this character need? Cause you have to find the motivation for why the right. character is doing what they're doing. And the most, and, and to me, the most important question was always, um, why do they want it? Like what's the mm-hmm. driving force behind it? And so in that, in, in, you know, in your very quick tweet, that ruin lives. <laughs> it was, it, it was like, right. In your um, gut punch, it, it, it offered me at least a moment to say, okay, what do you want? And why do you want it? What do you need mm-hmm. right now for real? Yeah. And when I think about the version of myself, my 28 year old self, right. Who, mm-hmm. who Oppressive. thought she was loving him. And in reality was like mm-hmm. suffocating him and ignoring yeah. herself, mm. you know, I couldn't be more different. And I was like, oh, you actually don't want anything from him. You just miss that. Yeah. You just miss that thing, that feeling. Yeah. That-, that question I think of asking yourself what you need, I that was a pivotal moment for me when I ended a really toxic relationship and it was hard to end the relationship. And you ever sit with yourself and just ask yourself, like, why in the fuck? do I need this ridiculous person? This person is not serving me. They're not being kind, whatever it is. And just asking, what is it that I need from this person? And in that moment for me, I remember physical affection was really important to me. And I just loved the way this particular person would hold me, even though they were like toxic. It was just, I asked myself like, what are the things? And that was one of the things that came up. And in that moment I was like, well, I got arms. Hmm. I can hold myself. And it sounds so silly. It seems so silly in the moment, but I literally wrap my arms around myself and in that moment realize like I can actually provide myself with safe and healthy intimacy. I can actually show up for myself. I don't actually need this mm. person who is bringing other toxic things, elements with them um, to provide physical comfort or whatever it is, you know, if whether it's like acts of service or whatever it is, um, you can provide that for yourself. And mm-hmm. that's an empowering, like for me, that was such a powerful moment to realize I didn't actually need some shitty person who wasn't teaching, who wasn't treating me well to how did it hug me when I needed it. So people who, for folks who are hearing that and they're like, yeah, me sitting in the crib, hugging myself with my own arms just doesn't slap mm-hmm. the same. What do you say no, to that? No, it doesn't. That? I, mean, I love you. Not- <laughs> You're like, no, it doesn't. But it does it something else. It doesn't, but also like be intentional, like Mm. think about it for a moment. And this isn't just like, okay, mm, mm, mm. I mean, think about how important you are to yourself. Think Mm. about the fact that you are the only person who will never leave you. That's it. You're the only person who will never leave you. You're the only person who understands your whole story. You're the only person who saw it, who's, who's witnessed your life. 
And to love yourself is such a powerful thing. And if, and if you don't see it as powerful, you need to work on that because you are such a prize that you should feel some comfort. It's not necessarily the same thing as having somebody love on you and all of that, but it is important and it does fill you up. Hmm. Just like sit in that moment. You are the only your arms person matter. that won't. What did you just say? You're the only person. No, no, no. Oh, that won't leave you. Oh my God. Yeah. I know that's, that's something I tell myself often when I have to shed relationships is that I got me, I'm here for life. I'm committed. Did you ever write that one? That's going to punch the shit. I know I sent it in a text. Girl, (laughs) send that to the masses. We need it. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Cause as soon as you said it, I was like, I have to write that down. Oh, it's so true though. That needs to be on my mirror. It, it, I mean, it should be. I think it's a great reminder. Mm. Nobody can take that from you. Wow. Well, that goes right into the other screenshot I have. (laughs) The older I get, the more I feel like self love is the answer to everything. And I feel like you just broke that down, sis. Mm -hmm. What does self love look like to you? What is it? Oh, um. I'm somebody who has, so I have ADHD and OCD. It's a fun mix. Mm. And so for me, self-love looks like the space to do nothing, quiet, Um, putting my phone down. It looks like waking up an hour before my son and just like sipping on some coffee or tea in my kitchen Um, and giving myself some just silence. Um, self-love is boundaries. I think protecting my own boundaries, um, and accepting that the only people who need to be in my life are the people who see and accept my boundaries as well. Um, and I I think also self-love is work. It's, it's work. And sometimes it's hard work to show up for yourself. Um, and I don't believe in the self-love like bubble bath thing where it's like this beautiful, <laughs> like, Curated, yes, but also Instagrammable, like, yeah, that's pampering yourself. And I love that. That's cool. I, I think you should, you know, do nice things for yourself. To me, that's, that's like diving into your feminine. I don't know if I would call that self-love. I think self-love is work. I think it's like making positive choices and creating a week that is not overwhelming and saying no to things. And for me also, as a mother, I stopped rewarding myself for being overwhelmed. That's a big one. Mm. Like the whole like, oh, I do so much. Oh, I got this going on. It was like this, it's like this currency. I I think among women, actually, especially caretakers of any kind. And I I stopped doing that big time. Like I'm, I'm not... I'm not interested in being overwhelmed as a way to show how worthy I am mm-hmm. or like how valuable I am as a woman or a mother or whatever. So to me, self-love lately has just been being like, no, 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 I can't, can't show up, can't make it. I'm going to rest, whatever. Um, yeah. I love that answer. I love that answer so much. I, um, I love it's it's interesting that you say self-love is work and then you're also but it's very much attached to rest mm-hmm. and restoration I'm like mm-hmm. and you hear those two things and they're not they don't normally make sense together because mm-hmm. usually the way I think about rest is like it's the absence of work no work I'm just right you know I'm I'm just giving in to my impulses I'm just sitting there probably 
lazy on the couch, maybe cheating, having a cheat meal. I don't fucking know. But actually, like, <laughs> is that self-love? Is it? And I, I love that it sounds like you're like, well, when I'm the best version of myself, when I'm making good decisions, that's when I'm really caring for myself. And if you think mm-hmm. about it, if you're loving someone else, that is also the case. You're helping them become the best version of themselves. And there's an accountability mm-hmm. factor there. And so while it's work, it's still like a peaceful kind of thing where it doesn't have to be like that you're taking it all on, where you're overwhelming right. yourself. And right. it's like burdensome, but yeah, interesting. Because yeah, I the bubble bath self love is. Go oh, ahead. It's good. I like the bubble bath. I take I a do. bath every day. Oh, <laughs> Not do? a bubble bath. I take a bath every. I, like I, I got in the house last night after an event at like three a.m. and got my. I saw you on Instagram stories, so you got you you got Child. a lot going on. You know what? And we're not gonna celebrate that. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm just saying I'm in that, I'm in, that <laughs> in between phase. I'm not I'm not quite where you are where you were like, yo, I'm I'm leaping and <laughs> I'm I'm doing this. I'm an artist full time, baby. I'm not there yet. Still got my nine to five, but I'm also chugging along <laughs> this other you have a lot going on creative space. So yeah. Yeah. But I I I love the idea of like another thing. Because because this self-love is really important to me because people ask us like, well, how do how the fuck do you love yourself? And I'm like, girl, I don't know. <laughs> how do you love other people? Right. Like that, do it for yourself. How do you love other people? Turn That's it, it. If you turn it around, it's really that simple. Yeah. But it's it's your love languages. Do that. It's so hard to do. It's it's yeah. for whatever reason are we it doesn't compute something. D- yeah. There's a disconnect there. I think we need to like work on prizing ourselves mm. the way that we do other people. We think, oh, oh, this person loves me. This person likes me. And it's such a, um, you know, it feels like a prize. And, you know, your own love for yourself, your attention on yourself, you, whether that is preparing a week that's not stressful, whether it's preparing a bath, whether it's cooking for yourself, whether, whatever it is, whatever it is that you need, um, I think the I think that that has a lot of value, and I think it is like feeling your own love as you give love. You get to you get to experience giving love, which is awesome, and you get to experience feeling love simultaneously. I think that's great. Yeah, um, yeah. it's um, but it's work. Something that I want to talk about, and I gotta finish the chapter. I'm sure you know her. I'm obsessed with this lady. What's her name? Um, Cole Arthur Riley. Oh my God. All yeah. right. It, there's a book that you need to read. I, I know the okay. listeners are like, if she mentions this book, she's so hyped about reading a book. <laughs> <laughs> but it's called This Here Flesh. Oh okay. I've never, how have I never? It's going to change your life. And I'm going I'm to really? text you a couple excerpts and then you're going to say, oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, I please do. It, I love a book that changes your it life. It is like, child, it's like a devotional. It's interesting, though, because she writes from a lens of um a black woman who's very much not very much it's not like big bible thumping kind of stuff at all Mm -hmm. but she is definitely like she loves christ she loves jesus but Mm -hmm. she grapples with that she she's like she's very she's very aware of the uh what is this what is the word that i'm looking for help me of the um I'm going to say tricky, but it's tricky because of our, (laughs) see, 
not a not a command of language, but it's it, compulsive. It, yeah, it's it, it, it that dynamic is tricky based off of our history, based off of yeah. ancestors, and and so she, the, the way she writes though, she has this chapter on um, wonder that I have been trying to finish, but every it's like every couple of paragraphs I have to put it down and sit with what she said, mm. and she talks about like. A lot of people will, you know, go and, and go to the Himalayas and go to all these extravagant places, but they can't mm-hmm. sit still and mm-hmm. just look at the grass and, and see the beauty in that. And yeah. she's like, there's beauty in both. But part of the reason why we can't see it anymore is, is, is that we we've like we're so basically hung up on Instagram, on on showing everyone how grand mm-hmm. something is that we're not, it's, it's not something that's connected to us anymore. And so mm-hmm. it's one of those things. It's like, would you go if you couldn't post it? And Oof. so I feel like a lot of that self-care stuff now, we're like, is it self-care? Cause you're, you're literally taking your phone and putting it in a different part of the room to get every angle before, like you're getting in the tub, right? Putting your phone, putting your phone up and then getting out of the tub, drying mm. off. Taking the phone and putting it somewhere else in the damn bathroom. The effort. This is too much. This is a full on production. I don't want to shame content creators, but this morning I woke up and I've been meaning to do this for a while. It's like do like a day in the life of a co-parent. And so I keep meaning to like record it. And I started, I started out good. I was like, okay, a little bit of video content. And then my son got up and gave me a hug and I was just like, I'm just in it now. I can't. You can't be alive in that. Yeah. I was just like, we're here now and I don't want to fix the phone or whatever. No, I I think that's just, I don't have the the content creator, but no. And I listen, one of my, a couple of my very good friends are content creators and I make fun of them all the time, all the time. I'm like, if you don't (laughs) like my homegirl, Renee, she, she's like angle this, that like, she's got it done. She got the camera bless them. And I'm just like, you are not. And I tell her you are not fully present while you're doing this stuff. And she's like, no, because I'm showing folks how I actually operate. And so I spent some time with her at her new home in LA last year. And damned if she wasn't, I I couldn't believe, she took more time to be present than I did. And I I had it in my head that she was just so, I was like, girl, you ain't doing none of this shit. This is all for the gram. (laughs) This girl's getting up. She's drinking her tea. She's sitting outside. She's like, now there might be one day where I have to work to show it. Because that's right. how I'm, you know, actually paying my bills. But like, yeah. she really takes the time to do it. So I'm Miss Judgy. I'm a damn Lib- you know, judge and jury Libra. It's tricky. But <laughs> you're you, anyway. In terms of the self, we got. I got way off. But in terms of the self care, yeah, that bath, that thing. And I remember b- there was a time where I would be in the tub, and I would be reading books, and I would be taking pictures of them. And I was like, you know what, Antoinette, you cannot bring technology in the bathroom with you anymore unless you're watching a show that you're like really interested in that. But this is not to be like, you don't need to show anybody. You don't have to, you don't have to perform self-care and rest. Yeah. I, I, I've tried and I I thought about that today because I'm really bad at it. And I'm like, people probably think I have the most boring life. I don't go nowhere. I don't have no friends. Because I just, every time I'm with 
folks or I'm doing stuff, I always forget to take like videos and photos I'm trying to be better. But it's just like, yeah, I mean, I just want to be there. I want to experience Present. it. I want to have a memory of it. Present. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, okay. Another girl. Let me go to my little screenshots. All right. Here we go. What else you got? Platonic love, romantic oh. love. It's all building community. You like that we one? We talk about community building all the time yes. now. Yes. So explain it. Tell tell me, sis. I'm all about community. So I moved out to New York with my son. I went back to California to have him and then came back when he was three. So I left New York for about three years. Okay. And when I came back, I'm one of those people that would just leap and I'll be like, oh, I should have thought about this. What's you know, your sign? I'm like, I'm a Taurus. I'm not the typical Taurus, but I'm, I'm a Taurus. Okay. So, yeah. And so I... um learned very quickly that community and building community is so important. And I think a lot of times, um, I think a good example of that is how we view marriage and, and, and brides or like motherhood, where once you kind of get married, you're over there now. Mm-hmm. You got it. You have your partner. You got your little thing. Um, and I feel like we are kind of socialized to replace a relationship with community Um, or we have like, you know, these different, uh, buckets that we fill with romantic love and this love is for this people and, you know, whatever. And I feel like, um, building community to me is the whole point. Like whether you're dating somebody or whether you're making new friends, the point is to create a community around you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for me, I think it changed my perspective as a single parent because I really need community. I don't have family here. Mm-hmm. My mom lives in Atlanta. My sister's in California. Like we're all over the place. So I really had to create that for myself. And I came to the understanding that like we are really taught to isolate ourselves in relationships sometimes. And we forget that like you always need to have community around you. Like when I was married, I think I felt like people kind of felt like I had found my community within my spouse. Right. And so I was good. You over there, you got your husband. Um, it's so Meanwhile, true. you know, it's so it's isolating so though. true. You know what I mean? And like, I wonder sometimes if maybe some marriage, you know, marriages wouldn't be so difficult if, if we didn't do that to people. Or even motherhood. Like once you have a kid, all right, you over there. We'll holler, we'll come, we'll come see you. We'll come see the baby. We'll drop off gifts, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, I think it's really important to find the people who you can love, friends you can date, lovers you can be homies with, you know, like that, that, that's all community to me. And I think it's really important. So for me, my family in New York is a the collective of friends and, you know, a lot of people who were in the room New Year's you know, mm-hmm. day and like, um, I think I started to ask my male friends, like, if you want to be friends with me, you got to show up for my son. Um, oh, I if love you want to that, date, Ashley. If you want to date me, you got to show up for my son. You cannot be a passive auntie. Auntie's in my life. Babysit. They hang with my kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of seeing it that way, I think, changed a lot. It, it made It gave my life more ease. I feel supported. I feel like there's more people around me and my son. Um... And yeah, I mean, kind of like if you can't hang with my whole community, you don't really need to be in my life. You know, if you can't be a part of this collective of people who are around me and my my child. It's an ecosystem. So, 
It is an ecosystem. And I don't think I could survive, especially in a city like New York, without it. Yeah. Without, you know, male, female friendships, you know, they're all... If you can't kick it with my partner, you don't need to be here. If if you can't kick it with, you know, my sister, whatever. So, um, and I think sometimes that gets lost in like when we search for partners and we start dating. I think we forget that we're actually like auditioning community members. These are people who are going to like know your other friends and your family. And like, that's a big deal. Um, and so I think seeing how people move in their own community, how they embrace it, how they show up for people. I mean, that should be like a central I think focus. Yeah. When we when we move. So, yeah, that was um I think when I wrote that I was really just reflecting on how I have managed to curate this wonderful community around us um and how interesting cuz I was pushed to do that. I had to do that. Otherwise, I'd be alone in this. Mm. And I feel like um I have a lot of conversations with women who are thinking of leaving their husbands. I think it's just like a result of the book, the fact that I talk about divorce a lot. I have a lot of really of conversations with women who are on the brink of like leaving. And I always say like you're going to have to learn to build community now because society taught you that your husband or your spouse was your community, but like if you are going to be a single parent you're gonna have to make community I think everybody needs that though parent or not I think you should have a community of people who support you a chosen family you know I think that's vital it is I am I think back to me when I was um well me not even when but um it, it doesn't even have to be think back it's more like me when I am not at my best is when I'm isolated mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is when um i i'm just when i don't feel um seen when i don't feel loved when i don't feel supported oh i'm just i'm flailing yeah. i'm flailing yeah. and it's not even and it, it and it's very simple things it could just and it's not even that i need to discuss anything with anyone or um i just i just need camaraderie you know, yeah. and it, it isn't it. It is an ex- energetic exchange. It is an exchange of love. And I was I was thinking it back to me, especially in some of my worst relationships, whether they were um, with lovers or whether they were with just friends, where I was a bit isolated within whatever that relationship was, mm-hmm. and with and, and, or you know that person couldn't really. They didn't really come around my full Mm-mm. community and it was fragmented in a, in a certain way. And that's always something that I look out for with, with my people. It's like, Hmm, that person don't really come around too mm-hmm. often or you don't feel comfortable bringing them around or like, Oh, you, yeah. I make fun of Shanti all the time because she has a lot of different pockets of friends that she never mm-hmm. brings together like ever. <laughs> And I'm just like, she's like, oh, yeah, you're my best friend. And then she'll, she'll say something. Oh, this, my, my, well, I was out with friends. I'm like, well, what friends? She's like, oh, you wouldn't know them. I'm like, what, why? And so it's, she's That's just like, funny. I don't mix. I don't, I don't like to mix because she's, she's very eclectic. So she'll have mm-hmm. like a certain group that is like this way, a certain yeah. group. And she, she will bring me around sometimes, but I, I mean, we don't live in the same city, so it might be different, but I, I always mm-hmm. think it's. It's so interesting, but she's the person that I know I can bring anywhere, whatever group I'm that. in. She's, and this leads me to my to my next thing. 
Shanti is really um, so easy to love, I think, mm-hmm. because you wrote something and it's, it's right here. It says, stay curious ab- about the people you love. Mm-hmm. And she is curious about everyone. Like I love that truly so much. Like mm-hmm. it's not for she's not just trying to make conversation. She is genuinely and, and it, it it's amazing to me. Like I when I watch her step foot in a room with like people that you would think she has nothing in common with. She probably mm-hmm. doesn't, but she's fascinated by how they have nothing in common. She's like, So tell me that. about this. Tell me about that. You know, she's I, I'll never forget, she came to my house for a Super Bowl, not my house, my mother's house, rather. I still, that I still refer to it as my house. Um, with my mom's family, all white room. And it's my mom's husband's family. And he's 16 years her senior. He's very buttoned up. He's a very specific kind of Irish man. Okay. <laughs> and his family, you know, they're very buttoned up. And mm. most of them don't watch sports. and They don't yell at the TV. And I'm sitting oh. there myself, you know, where I'm like... I'm loud, I'm boisterous, <laughs> I'm screaming at the TV. My mom, if it's her and I, she's that way. But mm-hmm. she's very aware of like, okay, my you know, my husband's family's here. I got to present a certain way. So she's on right. she's on her P's and Q's and Shanti's there. Literally doesn't know shit about sports and she's just talking to everybody. Talking and I've heard, I I'm like, I've never even asked these people this question. And I was, I was <laughs> disappointed in myself. Like, what does that say about you? Like, do you walk into spaces where you assume that you know so much about the mm. people that you're around, that your yeah. curiosity, maybe your ego is a little inflated that, and yeah. so your curiosity isn't there. And yeah. how loving is that? I do feel like curiosity is sort of like the absence of ego a little bit because you do have to like assume you know nothing. Exactly. And just embrace and also embrace that and be like, okay, I don't know. I, I got that from my mom. My mom is that way. She's mm. she is like, should have been a journalist. She will sit there and like get the tea. She has questions, but it's not like in a way that's prying. She's curious. And I yeah. love that about her. And I love people who are that way. I have anxiety. So I'm I'll ask you questions if I feel comfortable. I'll be if I ask you questions, I I, I, I damn near love you. Okay. Um, I heard you. because <laughs> because I I think I'm just <laughs> I I think yeah I'm you know I'm working on I'm working on it but I do feel like in relationships with people in friendships with people you do have to remember that we are all like growing we're evolving we're changing we're reading some shit that we thought about and went down a you know thought rabbit hole and thought about ourselves. Like we we are different, really a little different every day. And so I think that embracing the fact that you don't know the the wholeness of anybody um, and allowing there to be space up for discovery and asking, well, why did you do that? Instead of assuming that you know why somebody does that is like a it's good way to cool. love. You yeah. learn more, you know, and you grow more and you people can surprise you, you know. I think that 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 was definitely a a tweet that was a result of a conversation with my partner where it's like we are almost at four years or we're going on four years and it and and you know him Um, but like that that that's like a big deal is like there's been a lot of rapid changes that he's made over the last year that I've made over the last year and so there there is like a need to come to the to spaces together where we're like, well, I don't know. What do you think? Like, what do you really feel? 
what what have you learned about yourself that I don't know yet? So yeah, I think that's definitely like a form of love big time just to be asking questions. I mean, I'm still working on it in like a crowded room of people, but in terms of like my relationships with friends and in my romantic relationship, I think it's, but maybe don't assume you know everything. Maybe for you though, when you go into the crowded room, just you showing up is the curiosity because that's not your default. Yeah. You know, just most people, a lot of people wouldn't even go. I mean, hiding though. I have anxiety. But, but you showed up like, uh, seriously, I, I I mean, I, I'm thinking of a specific friend of mine who I have to beg. I, I, I don't know. And I'm not successful most times. If I want a relationship (laughs) with him, I have to go actively see him because he's just like an artist who's just locked away in his cave doing his art and to be social, to be around humans. He's like, I'm good. He's I mean, not I have curious. to admire knowing that about yourself. Well, I have friends like that too. And I feel like anxiety is, is a bitch. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if you really, and I, I, I've recovered from extreme social anxiety. I had social anxiety throughout my twenties real bad. Like going to the bank, parking my car outside the bank, sitting there and just like starting the car and driving off. Cause I didn't want to go and oh, be wow. around people. Like it was extreme. And so like getting past that and getting to a point where I can like create, be in spaces, like as a writer, I've had to be on panels and things like that. And that shit is like crazy. I'm highly medicated. If you've seen me on a panel, I'm highly medicated. But like that, I think is something I had to like, you know, get past. Um, But I've never had that issue necessarily in my intimate relationships. I think I've always, if once I get to a safe space with people and I feel like we're engaging and we trust each other, um, I'm gonna ask you a lot of questions. I'm gonna want to know everything about you, and um, I'm trying harder to assume that once you learn somebody, that that doesn't mean you know the totality of this person. You know, you might they might surprise you. They probably surprise you. They might surprise you. Most likely, most people most likely. do surprise me. Yes, indeed. So that 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 one specifically, yeah. That one specifically, I'm like, oh, you have a lot of work to do there, Internet, like a lot. So thank you for that. Another another (laughs) gem. All right. And then last one you wrote, I just want black women to be properly loved. Mm. And so I'm so curious to know what being properly loved looks like. I mean, it looks different for all of us. Of course. I think... um, I think first and foremost, to be properly loved, you have to understand what your needs are and be able to, and have the audacity to ask for that mm. and and have the courage to ask for it from people who can actually provide. Because I do think sometimes it's possible to get into the habit of asking for things from people who you know damn well cannot provide it or are, una- are unable to for whatever reason. So I think it's like, it's definitely a you thing. I always think it starts with you. But I do think that, um, yeah, it looks different for everybody. Like having your needs met, being seen, being accepted, um, a space where you can be transparent, you can be yourself. I think Black women, we have to wear a lot of different masks and having a space where you can shed that and just be yourself and feel like you're accepted and loved and you don't have to fit into anybody's goddamn box. Um, 
I really do feel like we have to like be able to understand that we are deserving of exactly what we need. Mm. And so some of that is like, yes, that sounds like I'm saying y'all men or whomever need to get your shit together and love black women properly. But I don't, I, I think that it also is that we have to be able to say, this is what I need. Um, this is how you show up for me. And, uh, and knowing that we're deserving of it, because if it if and when it does show up, we have to you have to accept it. Otherwise, it, you know, it doesn't really matter. So um, mm. I just really love I love to see black women being you know seen. I love it when black women are uh, their beauty is appreciated. Um, bodies are appreciated. Minds, ideas are appreciated. Um, and. And I think that that is uh, important in all of our relationships, our friends, our lovers, our family. I think it's it's okay to raise the bar of what love looks like in our lives and, and just like not accept anything less. But um, I think that Black women are we're so smart. We are so resourceful. We're so resilient. And when we are being loved on top of that, there's so much that we can do. There's so much healing that can happen in our communities and in our families when black women are loved. I mean, we are the key to so much. So I, I feel like um, just it's just so important. I do think that that heals communities. It's just loving on black women, honestly, and just showing up and supporting us. So mm. that's what I meant. I think I think that that ref- refers to our friends, our family, whomever. Um, you, don't, you don't have to accept anything less than than what you need and what you deserve. Um, yeah, I think folks just need to rise to the occasion and love mm. each other. How did, how did you get to the point where you, um, you had the audacity one to ask and two, like where you knew you deserved it? Cause a lot of women have like, this is what I want. This is what love would feel like to me. And mm. then there's the fear factor or that, that kind of that thing in you that's like, but I might not ever get it. So I'll go with this. Mm-hmm. You know, Ooh. I think um, having my son helped a lot. I think I got a lot of re- a big dose of reality when I was married um, uh, in terms of like what you want love to look like versus what it should feel like. Mm. I think that we, oh, we love to praise a relationship. Oh, they look so happy. Oh, do, 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 do. And it's all based on like visuals yep. and content. And it's like, honey, curated that does not content. mean shit. That's curated. I'm showing you what I want you to see. <laughs> exactly. And I remember the, a very grounding moment for me was back in the Tumblr days. Oh, Tumblr was life. Look, I Tumblr. and I remember the first time I ever went semi-viral was on Tumblr and it was my my maternity shoot. So it was Mm. me and my spouse at the time and my belly and we were in a field and we were black love. It was beautiful. And the the photo made its way around Tumblr and there were all these comments underneath black love. By the time that shit went viral, we were separated. Wow. We were no longer together. We were not even on speaking terms. And it was like, I think for me, it was like, wow, we really do think that love looks a certain way and we don't think about whether or not, you know, like what it should feel like. And I, and I, I feel like we do, we do kind of glorify the Instagrammable relationship. And it's just like, you really don't know how people are taking care of each other and themselves 
Um, and I think like beautiful, healthy love, sometimes it might not even look like it's healthy. You know, like I saw the thing with, uh, what's her name? And I'm so bad with names. Harvey, Lori Harvey. Oh, there's like a picture of her and oh boy at the Beyonce concert and everybody mm-hmm. was deciding that they Damn didn't look sin. happy because she was like, whatever. And I'm like, I look like that when I'm nervous though. Like sometimes I don't like cameras on me and I might look weird. Um, or public affection might make her nervous. You don't know how she loves on this man. Um, large so crowds to... when you're a celebrity right, might make you nervous. Yeah. Hello. I would be all kinds of awkward and you wouldn't know that me and my partner are so loving together and we have so much fun together if you mm-hmm. get us at the wrong moment. So it's like, we really, I mean, I think we do put too much, we put too much, um, into what relationships look like. And I think, you know, sometimes the way they feel is not the way they look on in pictures girl most times and 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 i get it too because i think that imagery for a lot of folks we're starved for it Mm -hmm. you know it's not intentionally given to us by the mass media so when we see beautiful yeah yeah, you're just like oh that's beautiful i want to celebrate it but also you know and and you don't also want to be the person that sees that like they probably not even happy no no i'm not gonna i'm not rating on anybody's parade i think i just make space for the fact that like they're human and in a in a beautiful relationship comes with all kinds of painful moments you know what i mean and it's not going to be captured in a photo i just don't want people to think that like if if a relationship is inconvenient or painful or there's something you have to deal with or work through that that's that's wrong i mean it's okay to to do the work of sustaining a relationship with somebody, whether it's a friend or a lover. So I don't know. I, I feel like the the whole photo thing and the way that we're so, you know, focused on what things look like can be a detriment sometimes when it comes to relationships and love. I agree. I, I there's a, <laughs> you didn't write it, but there's a meme in my phone. It's like, <laughs> if you ever see a Negro on my feed, it's an ad. He paid for it because <laughs> baby, the way, I learned the hard way. <sighs> Never again in your life, in your stinking lives. You uh, might see a hand one day, that's so funny. but that's it. He he don't exist. I know. Well, that's I'm, for me mm-hmm. and him. We're happy. You and know? I loved, and I, you know, and there's so many moments. Like I said, I don't share it a lot. Um, and you, I always I, feel you have a beautiful partner who I know, and I, I know, I was so I said I. Scott, oh, I didn't want to say his name, but how you do that now? I said, good job, because I knew of you. I said, what? I was so proud of him, I'll be honest. I said, good taste, and how you do that? Good job. I was so hyped, but anyway. He works hard for that. He No, he's he's um a really beautiful person. He has such a beautiful heart. Um, And just like one of my best friends. Like, we have so much fun. He's a good laughing. Mm-hmm. goofing off hilarious all day um and like if you can't make me laugh i don't even want to fuck with you at all like as a friend you know right. what i mean like right. i can't even spend time really so um yeah if you can't get with my random british accent like why are we <laughs> even here it's weird so um i'm really i'm really thankful for the relationship i'm in and it's taught me a lot we've we've learned a lot together i love to hear so. it I really yeah. do. Yeah. All right. Ashley, I don't want to, I know you got roadblocks going on in the back now. Is that what it's called? Roadblocks, right? Girl, roadblocks. Row? Or Even is it road? I don't know. I was <laughs> I was telling my son today, you can get on Roblox, your Roblox, you your game. Real, right. You got to say it real fast. 
so they don't Bruh. they don't realize that you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Because hey, I don't. I'm That's like hilarious. just these kids. Because you're allotted time for it. I have to brag on you a little bit though. First, I need you to tell people where they can follow you. Please push whatever you want to push. Yeah. Put all the things out here. But you better, you need to brag on yourself a little bit because I'm on your website, which is beautiful. But you can play if you want to. Thank (laughs) you. Come on. Um, I'll be on Twitter and Instagram, Ashley Simpo. Uh, You can find more about me at blackashley.com. Yes. Um, I have a book called A Kid's Book About Divorce, uh, which you can find at akidsco.com. And I don't know, that's it. <laughs> you can maybe find her writing in the New York Times, Crown Magazine, oh, Marie yeah. Claire, USA Today, Mother Shondaland, Parents, no. girl, don't play. That's she she out here doing the big things. Big I, things. Yeah. I, you, I do. Yeah. Do you have time for... Like, do you have five minutes to do our raggedy rapid fire questions? Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So. I'm scared. Let me take a sip. We're going to have it. They're not that bad. So we have a, I'm going to present you two options, this or this. And you can only choose one option. You can't, you can't tell us why. You can't explain. And you got to go as fast as you can. All right. All right. Ready? Yeah. Okay. Malcolm or Martin? Malcolm. Generational wealth or familial happiness? Familiar happiness. Jay or Nas? Jay. Mac or Sephora? Sephora. Palestine or Israel? Oh! <laughs> More now. I don't even know. Okay. In the light or in the dark? In the night. Yeah, Prince, in the light. Prince or Michael? Prince. Sweet or savory? Savory. Trader Joe's or Whole Foods? Trader Joe's. Voodoo or brown sugar? Voodoo. Family or career? Family. A seat at the table or lemonade? Oh, lemonade. Evolutionism or creationism? Evolutionism. Nikki or Cardi? Cardi. Jollof or rice and peas? Jollof. Missionary or doggy style? Doggy style. Protection or pull out in prayer? Pull out in prayer. Child. <laughs> is it Uchi Wally Wally or is it one mic? It's Uchi Wally <laughs> <laughs> Love Jones or Jason's Lyric? Oh, Jason's Lyric. Sir or Rumi? Sir. <laughs> Lisa Bonet or Nia Long? Lisa Bonet. Bell Hooks or Audrey Lord? Oh, Bell Hooks. Nuck if you buck or Annie up. Oh, Annie up. <laughs> 9-11, inside job or terrorist attack? Inside job. Make your man a plate or have him get his own? Make your man a plate. Rihanna or Beyonce? Rihanna. Biggie or Pac? Ooh, tell her. Pac. Teddy Riley or Babyface? Babyface. Jill or Erica? Oh, Erica. All the way. Brandy or Monica? Brandy. Read the book or watch the movie? <laughs> Watch the movie. Oh, not the writer. <laughs> Sundress or sweatpants. I'm a, I'm obsessed with you. Sweatpants, baby. <laughs> uh, Tony Morrison or Alice Walker. Oh, that's hard. I'm gonna go with Tony Morrison though. SWV or Escape. Damn, SWV. Flats or drums. Flats. Ne- uh, Netflix or Hulu. Netflix. Travel back in time or travel forward in time. Forward. 
buy stocks or buy flights? I'm going to say flights. Prove your point or pray for peace? I'm going to prove my point. (laughs) Fun in your 20s or wisdom, wisdom in quotations, of your 30s? Wisdom of your 30s. And finally, love and light or money and dicks? (laughs) (laughs) The second one, my child is back. (laughs) (laughs) Say less. Say less, girl. (laughs) You see, she's a little... Listen, it's a little raggedy person in there. We got to bring it out you now. Oh, my Listen, goodness. Thank you so, so much. I You have no idea how what a fan I am of yours and how and I, I have look you. forward to everything that you do. And I thank can't wait so to much. see. Thank you as well. Thank you for your time. Around the Way Curls listeners, please make sure you follow Ashley. All of her information will be in the description. Clickable link. So won't be hard. Make sure you check out her website, support her. And I hope to see you at Joel's event. He told me the next one's on the 30th. I'll be there. I don't know. He just be telling me. I go. The workshop? Yes. Yes. I was at the last one. Like, mm-hmm, I, I'm going to be at Good the next word. one. I'm going to share it too. I'm gonna, oh, you I'm will? My, yes. I'm sharing see? some work. Look at, I can't wait. All right. Perfect. Yeah. So there you have it, everybody. <laughs> this was a masterclass on love. Mm-hmm. And you're welcome. I don't know how to end it. No, you're welcome. It's good. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, y'all. With that, we are out. You have just heard an Around the Way Curls John. Follow them on Twitter at ATW Curls and Instagram at Around the Way Curls. We out early. <laughs> Very good.